Get your copy of God's Word, and we're going to be, uh, for just a minute, we'll get there in just a little bit, in Psalm 19 this morning. Um, uh, Todd mentioned in his prayer, praying for revival, and uh, we are less than one month away from uh, our scheduled revival meetings, uh, April the 3rd through the 6th, and I want to spend just a few minutes today and next week uh, talking to you about getting ready revival? How can we prepare our hearts for what God wants to do? And, and it's not that we have to be prepared for April 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. It's that the reality is, as he mentioned, is that God may want to revive you today. He may want to start something in you today that, uh, that, that no fireman could put out. He wants to revive his church and and in just a little while when we come to the conclusion and our invitation this morning i'm going to invite you to uh to first of all uh do your business with the lord today do your business with the lord today here at the altar i'm going to invite you to come and and to pray that god would revive your heart and that God would bring revival in the life of our church. But also, He would um, revive, transform our community through what He does here at Friendship Baptist Church. Well, let me ask you this morning, what is revival? Y'all tell me, what, how do you define revival? Awakening, okay. What else? Maybe this is why we need a revival. Lord, we don't know what it is. How do we pray? Well, Miss Jane, you said something. Okay. All right, renewal of our faith. A song such as Caitlin just sang to identify with the fact that we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life to, to really take in the words of that song, that creed that was once uh, established can, can rejuvenate our faith and our, our life and our walk with Him to, to renew our faith. What else? Oh. Fan the flame, okay? As though our lives are, are embers that are, are, are fading, but, uh, but when the flame is stoked, when the oxygen is poured on, um, they, they begin to flame again, okay? Well, I hope by the end of the day you will understand a little bit more about revival, okay? Um, All right, when we reevaluate what a Christian's job is supposed to be, what we're here to do. Um, Richard Owen Roberts says this, that revival is an extraordinary move of the Holy Spirit of God with extraordinary results. An extraordinary move of the Holy Spirit of God producing extraordinary results. That is, that it's something beyond the scope of what you and I can do. It's something beyond what we can conjure up, what we can feel in our lives. It's something that only God can do. Charles Finney 
uh, define revival this way. A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. It is a deep repentance, a breaking down of heart, a getting down into the dust before God with deep humility and a forsaking of sin. Now, if we think about this, this term revival, I want to begin with what a revival is not. Okay? A revival is not a series of meetings. It's not a series of meetings. It's not something that we can schedule. It's not something that we can put on the calendar and say, on April 3rd through the 6th of this year, something incredible is going to happen at Friendship Baptist Church. Now, I hope and pray something does, but I hope and pray that it begins on March the 6th. I hope and pray that what, what we have seen God do over the past nine months to a year would be something that we continue to see Him do even today. We have seen God move. And some of you have already thrown out the word, we're seeing, we're seeing God revive our church. But a revival is not a series of meetings. Okay? That, that's marked as revival meetings. I, I forgot to print off the flyers for you today. I'll try and have some before Wednesday night. Uh, revival meetings. That, that, that's the schedule. But the reality is, it's not just a series of meetings. Another thing I would tell you is this. Revival is not, it's not an emotional thing. Now, don't get me wrong. When God revives His church, when God begins to speak into hearts and lives and, and, and bear down conviction on our hearts and we begin to sense the need to repent, there is an emotion, there is a sorrow that comes with that. But when we talk about revival, I'm not talking about us coming together and getting all giddy. Okay, I'm not talking about us coming together and just having a feel-good experience. I remember as a youth going to youth camp, going to, uh, going to this event or that event. We would go to these events and we would, we would get these highs. Well, we would just we'd come back excited. We'd, come to, we'd go to the church and we'd stand before the church and we'd tell about what all God had done in our lives and, 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 and what all we were going to do for the Lord. And a few weeks later, the giddiness is gone. Revival is not an emotional response. Revival is something that sticks even when emotion isn't there. Okay? So you understand, revival is not a series of meetings. Revival is not just something emotional. And I hope and pray that, that when we hear the Word of God preached, that God would so convict our hearts that there would be weeping, that there would be tears, that there would be a sense of, of turning to the Lord. Amen? but that it wouldn't be just about those emotions, that it would be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when it's about Him, and we surrender ourselves to Him, that revival is something that lasts longer than a week, or longer than two. So revival is not an emotional thing. So think about this. Why do we need revival? Anybody know why we need revival? Okay, well, I'll tell you. Well, first we need revival because we have sin. Let's, let's just be completely honest this morning. None of us in here is without sin. Matter of fact, John wrote uh, uh, the first letter of John. He says, if there's anyone who says, he's writing to the church. He says, if there's anyone who says he has no sin, he is a liar. 
So how many of you have sin this morning? <laughs> you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. Okay? You, y'all got that. You, you're trekking with me there. We have sin. And it may not be what we consider major sins, murder and uh, you know, armed robbery and all these things. It, it may be the, the, the sense of just omitting that fellowship with the Lord that, that He calls us to. But it, it's sin. It's sin. And so when we examine ourselves, as Brother Bilbo says, it's digging deep. It's digging to a place where we, we don't want things uncovered for everybody to see. But when we begin to do business with God, He already knows. And so these things come to light so that we can turn from them. We, we need revival because we have sin. We need revival because we're comfortable. I don't know if you all know this, but many of us are comfortable. God has blessed Friendship Baptist Church, right? Amen? One of the dangers of God's blessings in the life of the church is this, that we become comfortable in that blessing and we decide to sit down and enjoy it for a while. Is that God's design? Not at all. I'm not talking about the chairs you're sitting in. Some of you need to get out of that chair because it's lulling you to sleep. But 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 some we're comfortable. We get comfortable in the good things, and when we get comfortable in the good things, we forget that God's got even greater things that He wants to do. So we need revival. We need to come back to that place where where God begins to to, to really show us this is where we've, we've, we've stepped away or this is where we've uh, slacked up a little bit. This is where we need to come back onto the right path and get right right with Him. It's not a comfortable thing. By the way, how, uh, here's your assignment. Look in Scripture and you tell me how many times in Scripture you find somebody that encountered the presence of God and they were comfortable. You won't find it. You won't find it because when they encountered the Lord, they repented of sin. When Isaiah encountered it high and lifted up, he began to weep and moan, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. Being in the presence of God is not a comfortable thing because God does some transforming and molding. So when we become comfortable coming to church or sitting through the sermon, You know, if all I do on Sunday morning is tickle your ears, then I am in sin by not confronting what the Word of God confronts. We need revival because we're comfortable. We need revival because many of us are asleep. We're comfortable. We're asleep. That'll go together. I'll just pass on that. We need revival because there's work to be done, right? That's what Brother Bilbo said. There's work to be done. How many of you know somebody... That is without Christ. I do. And if you don't, perhaps you're not paying attention. Because there are multitudes of people in our lives on a daily basis, if we're out outside of our cocoon, that there that are without Christ. That need need Jesus. Some of you need Jesus. And the reality is many of us don't aren't doing the work because we're comfortable, we're complacent, we're asleep, and what we need is the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord to come by and say, get up, wake up, 
there's work to be done. There's work to be done. We need revival. I need revival. That's just the honest truth. I need revival. And most of you do as well. Most of you do as well. What happens when revival comes? Now tell me, what happens when revival comes? You ever seen a revival? Lord, that was right, that note I put in there about people being asleep. Y'all are asleep today. What happens when revival comes? All right, there's change, there's transformation. The Holy Spirit comes. When revival comes, things begin to look different. Things begin to look different because under the conviction of sin, Christians begin to repent. Christians begin to acknowledge the sin in their lives. And and the first step of revival is to acknowledge there's something wrong. There's something amiss in our lives. And when there's something amiss in our lives, then we can can get right with the Lord. Then we can begin to seek help at His feet. We We can call upon Him, turn away from our sins, and turn to Him. When revival comes, Christians begin to repent. We begin to turn away from our sin. Oh, we, we've grown so accustomed to sin in our midst, sin in our lives. On a day-to-day basis, we excuse it as, oh, well, well, I'm, I'm human. That's not good enough. Be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. It says in Leviticus 19, but it also says it in 1 Peter that the call of the Lord on our lives is holiness. And when we don't live up to that holiness, guess what? We have sinned. And therefore, we need to repent and turn back to Him. I told you, my job's not to make you feel good all the time. My job is to, to, to give you the Word. And when, we, when we recognize our sin, then we can repent and turn back to the Lord. Uh, but it's also a time where Christians become obedient to the Word of God. Where Christians stop giving God excuses. When Christians began to be to take the Word of God at face value and begin to live that in their lives, where they begin to get serious about what, what God's Word says to us. Because the Word of God is given to us not just so we can read a devotion every morning, not so I can come and have something to talk about every week. It's given to us so that we can hear and obey, that our lives can be transformed. So Christians become obedient. Communities are touched. Lives are changed. I, I know I've told you before about a number of revivals. How, um, how when the Spirit of the Lord moved across this area or that area in, in centuries ago, how God's people began to, uh, began to impact their communities. How in 1904 in the Great Welsh Revival, how the, the police precincts had to shut down. They went from patrolling to having choirs. <laughs> That would be awesome. What if Memphis police began to have choirs? That'd be a revival. That'd be a miracle of God, right? Well, this has happened in history. It has happened historically that when revival comes, people are changed. Communities are changed. And God can do that even in Ecker. You say, well, we're, we're in the middle of the Bible Belt. We need Jesus. We need a great move of God in our lives, in the church, and in our community. Because, listen, when revival comes, lost people 
get saved. Why do lost people get saved in revival? Because when you look at the word revival, that's not about lost people. Y'all recognize that? Revival says a re-giving of life. The Bible says that a lost person is dead. Dead, dead. In trespasses and sins. So when we talk about revival, we're talking about the people of God getting a renewed life. Getting a, a renewal on their walk with Him. So how is it that when revival comes and God's people are renewed, lost people get saved? Jesus hadn't said Lazarus, the whole cemetery would have rose. Oh, that's a good point. Because when revival comes, Christians don't bite their tongues to stay silent. Because when we are revived in the life of Christ, then we are willing, ready, able, we are talking about the life of Christ in us to others. So when... Christians are revived. When the church is revived, lost people get saved because the church is bearing witness. Bearing witness. We, I don't know what we've done with that one. We've just kind of thrown that aside and said, oh, we don't have to do that. But, but if we're going to be obedient to the Word of the Lord, then we've got to pick that mantle back up because Jesus said, go and make disciples. Baptize those who... Uh, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything I've commanded you. That's part of the commission, is bearing witness to Him. Now, what happens when revival comes? Christians repent, become obedient. Communities are impacted. Lost people get saved because God's church is no longer mute. God's church is on fire to talk about it. Psalm 19, verse 7. That's a long introduction, wasn't it? If the sermon's as long as the introduction, Rusty, we might be here a while. I'm just going to read half a verse. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. As we begin to think about getting ready for revival, I want to tell you something, that revival is not a mystical thing. Revival is not something that we can that we just have to have to move away from or that we have to just sit back. Listen, we can see the revival of the Spirit of God in our lives when we begin to take God's Word, read God's Word, and begin to obey it. When we step out in faith, then we will see the revival of God's Spirit moving in us. Some of us are waiting on a feeling before we become obedient to the Word of the Lord. Is that the way things work? Not at all. Now, sometimes we get this feeling and we just jump out there and we begin to run around and we begin to do things for the Lord. But more times than not, what happens is this. When we read God's Word and we take one step, two steps, three steps in obedience, then we begin to see the, the, the emotion, 
or the feel good about it come into play. You start talking about, uh, somebody told me one time, when I start talking about sharing the gospel, I scare people in the church. I'm sorry. If I scare you, oh, I better stop. I'm going somewhere I shouldn't. Um, you can't wait to feel good enough to share the gospel. Okay? Because what happens is this. When you share the gospel and that person listens to you, and, and they come to that place where they bow and they, they confess their faith in Christ, they repent of their sin and they trust Christ as Savior. I heard it explained, described this way before, and it is a great explanation that it's like getting saved all over again. It's like getting saved all over again because you recognize that the same God who saved you did the same for them. And so when, ooh, I'm telling you, when we begin to walk out in obedience, we begin to see, we begin to see revival in our lives. It's that we wait back for a feeling of revival before we take a step of faith and obedience that we miss what revival really can be. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Let's look at that. Let's break that down just a second. The law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? The law of the Lord is, is His instruction. Now, we when we talk about the law, we, we think quite often of the Old Testament, of, uh, of the first five books of the Bible where where the law is given to us, and, and, and yet it, it's not just in those first five books that we're given the instruction of the Lord, is it? It's more than just the law of the Lord. The, the law of the Lord is, uh, the instruction of the Lord encompasses for us the entirety of this book. That, that long before the law was given, the, the Lord went to a man named Abram and he spoke to him and said, pick up your stuff and go. And Abraham picked up his stuff and went, and through that God began a nation. Then Moses, some years later, in, in the wilderness, uh, is, is, is out tending, uh, tending sheep, and, and all of a sudden there, there's a bush, and that bush is on fire, but it's not being burned up. That is crazy. That is incredible. i got to go check it out. And when Moses got there, a voice came out of the bush and spoke to him. God spoke one-on-one -on -one with these men. And through Moses, there on the mountain, God gave the law inscribed on tablets of stone. God spoke throughout the Old Testament in various ways. You get to uh, you get to the prophets. You see how God spoke to the people through the prophets, and hey, they didn't just write it down. They literally stood and they spoke and they declared the word of the Lord to the people. And so, as the Lord spoke to them, impressed on them, they began to speak to others. And at the end of the prophets, you find that God speaks in the most incredible way when Jesus, the very Word of God, steps out comes in the form of a baby, puts on flesh and lives among us. You know why John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God? Because in Jesus Christ, the one thing Almighty God wanted to say to you and to me was all wrapped up in that baby who grew up to die for us, who now reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. you understand? How does God speak? He spoke through Jesus. Everything about God that we need to know is it was wrapped up in Jesus. But then when Jesus ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit came and filled those apostles and they began to write. 
Paul began to write letters when he got saved. And, and Peter wrote, and John the Apostle wrote uh, the, the Gospel. You, you see how God moved to, to give us the Word of God that we have today. This written Word, well, it was canonized, it was filled, it was completed, and has been handed down to us so that we can know what God says to us. This is the law of the Lord. What we have today, this is the full instruction of God. The full instruction of God. And so for us, how many of you have a Bible? I hope that's everyone. If you don't have a Bible, see me when service is over. We're going to get you a Bible. Because what God wants to say to you is right here. The law of the Lord. It says it's perfect. That word means it is, it is complete. It is whole. The entirety of what God wants to say to us about Himself, it is whole in the Word. We have enough here to know about God. It doesn't answer every question we have. It's not a science book. It's not a math book. But it has enough for us to understand God's creation, to understand who God is, and to, to walk with Him. So it says the law of the Lord is perfect. It is, it is a word of integrity. It is a word of integrity. It's blameless. And so what God has given us right here in the Word is something we can take to the bank. Now let me say this to you. The law of the Lord is an objective standard for our lives. You understand what that means? I looked at that word objective, and I want to make sure it's clearly understood today that the Word of God given to us is a standard for our lives that is not influenced by our personal feelings, interpretations, or prejudice. It's not about our biases or opinions. It is the Word of God is given to us based on facts. Okay? We live in a world that takes everything subjectively. We want to argue with it if it doesn't fit how our feelings. Second Peter 1 says this, And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You hear it? This did not come from mere men. The pens of the men who have given us the Word of God were led by the Spirit of the living God. And so this is an objective standard. Perfect, complete, blameless in all that it teaches us. And through this standard, our souls can be revived. Revived. Converting the soul. It, it is a return to consciousness. It's a turn away from the world, away from the sin, and a turn back to the Lord. And when we encounter the Word of the Lord, then we will encounter the goodness of what Christ has for our lives. Some of us this morning come in here, we're dazed and confused in our walk with the Lord. Some of us are, are just asleep in our walk with the Lord. Some, unfortunately, uh, in here or even around us, 
in the in the world we work in. They have known the Lord, but for some some reason they today sit unconscious because of maybe sin in their lives. Maybe they just haven't cultivated that walk with the Lord. Some are on life support. And the word of the Lord says this that the law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. How is it that those people can be awakened? How is it that they can be uh, stirred up by the law of the Lord? If if you look in the Old Testament, we're not going to turn to those in 2 Kings 22 uh, and 23. There's there's the account of Josiah. Josiah's young king is brought before him the law of the Lord. Same thing happened in Nehemiah 8 and 9. The law of the Lord was found. It was brought. It was Ezra read it. And when Ezra read the, the law... Uh, there was a great revival in the land. And listen, I'm telling you this morning, if we are going to experience revival, that we have got to get back to the book. We've got to get back to the Word of the Lord, not just on Sunday mornings, but in our, our homes, in our lives, in our day-to-day. We need to be taking in the Word of the Lord. Because when you look at these revivals in the Old Testament, Scripture was read Conviction was seen. Listen, sometimes when you read the Word of the Lord, it doesn't feel good, does it? Does it for God? No. Sometimes it hurts because it exposes an area that we need to be renewed, that we need to be stirred up. We, we read it. We fall under the conviction so that we can in turn turn to the Lord. So we can turn away from that. We can be restored by the forgiveness and the grace of God. When we are restored by the grace and forgiveness of God, then we can be restored to obedience in Him. See, some of us have it all backwards. We have it all backwards that if I just do more, 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 without repentance, without recognizing sin, the reality is the more you do, the more, more you'll feel pressured. You'll feel the weight of the world on you. If you don't begin with recognizing sin and repenting in your life. When the Word of God is read, conviction of sin comes. When conviction of sin comes, we turn, we confess, we repent, we weep in brokenness to be restored through forgiveness. And once again, obedience to the Lord. I tell you this morning that God desires to revive His church. God does not desire you as believers in Christ to walk in a weak and impotent life. God desires that you walk in the life, the abundant life of the Holy Spirit living in and through you. And the only way that happens is when you come to the Word of God and recognize there's sin. When you repent of that sin and turn back to the Lord, and begin to take step by step by step steps of obedience. R.A. Torrey, an old dead theologian, gave a prescription for revival. I want to give this to you in closing. This is what I want to invite you to do this morning. This prescription said this, The prescription for revival, let a few Christians get thoroughly right with God themselves. I want to invite you this morning to come today and get right with God. Stop playing games with Him. Stop thinking, oh, it's okay. God don't. God doesn't care. Oh, He does. 
Let a few Christians get thoroughly right with God. Would you get right with God today? Let them bind themselves together to pray for revival till God opens the heavens and comes down. Would you commit today to, to being a part of a great prayer team that will pray and pray and pray, not just till the end of April 6th, the end of that service, but would you pray until God so sweeps across your life and our church and our community and our county and does a work that only He could do? Would you pray for God to bring revival in this place? This third thing was this. Let them put themselves at the disposal of God to use them as He sees fit in winning others to Christ. Would you put yourself at the disposal of God to do whatever He wants to in your life so that others are one to Him? That's called absolute surrender. So this morning, my invitation to you is this. Would you begin right here, right now? Maybe you want to turn and kneel in your seat, or maybe you want to come to this altar and pray. And get yourself right with God. Would you commit to pray with me, for me, for your family, for your church, for your community, that the Spirit of God would bring revival to you? Would you lay yourself completely out to the Lord and surrender? It's not about what you know to do or what you know you can do. It's about saying, God, I'm at your disposal. Do whatever you want. Would you do that today? Father, I thank you for the good news that Jesus saves. I thank you for the cross, Lord, that, uh, that on which you died for our sins. Thank you for that empty tomb by which you can give us eternal life and you can live in us through your Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you today that there are those in this room that are lost without you that can be saved right here today. But I thank you today for Christians that are going to respond to you today. They're going to seek to get themselves completely, absolutely right with you. They're going to commit to pray for revival in their hearts, in their homes, in our church, in our community. And there will be those that will go all the way, Lord, to lay themselves before You in complete surrender. Father, here we are. Our answer is yes, Lord. You have Your way in us. In Jesus' name.